Okay. Woo! Oh, yeah. Rolling around at the speed of sound. Got places to go. Gotta follow my rainbow. Can't stick around. Have to keep moving on. Guess what lies ahead? Only one way to find out. Must keep on moving ahead. No time for guessing. Follow my plan instead. Trust me, what you can see. Take my lead, I'll set you free. Follow me, set me free. Trust me, and we will begin this podcast. This is Midweek Matinee. We're talking about Sonic, the 2020 <laughs> movie starring Jim Carrey, James Marsden, and um, what's the last guy? Uh, John Ralphio yeah. from. Ben Schwartz. ben Schwartz, that's the guy. Um, Brett, how are you doing this week? I'm good, buddy. I really loved your rendition. And you know, I got to say, you were really killing it there for a little bit. Listen, if I know one thing, I know how to escape from the city. Blake, how are yeah. you doing this week? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You watch any good movies this week other than Sonic the Hedgehog from 2020? I don't believe so. I'm going to double check Letterboxd, but I'm pretty sure I've been slacking on the movie stuff. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. That's it. You like- <laughs> I've watched more movies than you this week, huh? Yeah. Do you like how he framed it as a good movie? I mean, don't be wrong. I do like the movie, but he was like, Blake has no say. Have you watched any good <laughs> movies that are not Sonic? Because Sonic's also the fucking good. I mean, I follow Blake on Letterboxd, so I know how this conversation is going to go. Uh, <laughs> no, but I've I'm slowed actually down with movies the past like four weeks or so. I kind of burnt myself out through like... Yeah, you were watching like 80 movies a day. Uh, July and August, I was watching three or four a day. That's insane. But I did pull a Blake move and I watched two movies in a row last night. I was very... Very Blake, yeah. I watched uh, the Last House on the Left, and then I watched Sonic, and I finished at about four thirty in the morning. It's like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go to bed. This wasn't worth it. Uh, speaking of that, Brett, how did you like the movie Sonic the Hedgehog of 2020? So I saw it in theaters. Did you? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I actually. I, here's my thing. I don't think mm. it's by any standards a perfect movie. But I will go out on a limb and say that I think it's maybe the best time I've had watching a movie adaptation of a video game. See, I would, I would argue, I guess (laughs) I'm I'm not saying it's saying a lot, but I do think here's my kind of take on it. I think it's a pretty good movie. And it's also one of the better movie adaptations of a video game. Mm. And I have a list of reasons as to why I think that that's the case. And I think it's even just in general, a better movie than some movies that I'm sure people would consider blasphemy for me saying this, but um, (laughs) like what I need to hear this. (laughs) A a lot of it lines up with the idea (laughs) of when you take fan service too far, regardless of where you stand on it. The reason that one movie hinges on being so bad to me is because it gave too much into fan service, which this movie could have easily done, and I think it avoided for the sure. most part. And there was that barely movie, any fan service in this movie. Yeah, that movie. I saw zero anime titties. <laughs> and that is the most important aspect of any <laughs> Sonic game or media, as you may know. Sonic uh, no, is zero human women. It's better than the, the uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's not a hard bar to... That's also no. not a video game movie. I thought that's what you meant. My bad. No, no, no. I'm thinking I'm like any movie in general. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's better than any other movie. Yes. 
<laughs> no, I would think it's better than a movie that I think a lot of people would look at. It, it, I think it's similar things, right? Because Sonic is finally getting a movie that is having to contend with its legacy that is 20 plus years lasting before it. Whereas yeah. when you look at Star what Wars, it's very <laughs> much the same thing. You have a movie that is following up you know, 30 plus years of star Wars before it. And because it was in such a weird spot, the way that they went about trying to get people to win over is to go really heavy on fan service. And the problem is, is that it makes in the moment of fan service makes you be like, Oh, this is cool. But then when you rewatch the movie and the yeah. shock of the quick fan service is gone, you're like, Oh, the fan service was just a leg for the, it was like a crutch for the movie to stand on. Cause it knew it wasn't good enough. Otherwise. Yeah. I've still yet to see rise of Skywalker. I'm honestly just kind of not, excited in any way whatsoever <laughs> and i like the last jedi but i've heard such bad things from people that also like the last jedi and like um i would almost say that there's no reason to watch it see it's weird i think the big problem is that the last jedi feels like it doesn't belong and sure. I think a lot of people felt like that initially, right? But then it got doubled down on with this movie. So realistically, in the context of the trilogy, The Last Jedi ends up feeling even worse because it's like, gotcha. is this a fever dream? Like, how did any of this happen? Because we <laughs> essentially, as soon as Rise of Skywalker starts, it's all about just reneging on everything that Rise of uh, Rise of uh, or sorry, the Last Jedi tried to set up. Yeah. So it's 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 real well, interesting. So I'm glad that this movie like 13 directors and writers, right? Yeah, and I think that that's my big thing here is I'm glad that this movie it's a little different and it's not part of a trilogy where it's having to resolve a story that someone else took in a completely different direction. But I like that they didn't <clears throat> overly rely on fan service. But the thing about fan service that's weird is that. It's a fine line between making people love your stuff and then overdoing it to the point where they see it and then they go, oh, you abused it. And I think in these types of films, everybody wants some level of fan service. It's about controlling the level of fan service so that it doesn't overtake what you should be trying to do with the movie on its own. So I think I the know. big question comes here, Chris. Yes. Is that you have at least played some Sonic games. Clearly, I've played Sonic games as well. The big outlier here is Blake. So I, because you apparently follow him on Letterboxd, I'm really interested to see where it lands on this <laughs> because you have, I won't say no reverence for the character, but you have so much less reverence for the character. I have so, zero reverence for the character. Okay, yeah, so... The first Sonic game I played, I was like a teenager, yeah. and I was not big on platformers. I didn't grow up with platformers, so my first system was the N64. So mm -hmm. like 3D platformers, some sure, but side-scrolling stuff I was never big into. And since I never had any reverence, even back then, I just never bought any of the new ones. Yeah, sure. And so it's just a series that I've played very little of. Yeah, fair enough. So I guess my question is just, how do you feel about the movie? Because... Chris clearly knows, and he has a hint as to where you feel, but does this movie land with you at all if you have yeah. no care for the character? And I think yeah, the I, answer should be yes, but I was curious. No, I like the movie. I have some issues with it, for sure. And I think yeah. most of my issues stem to the fact that it's a movie made for children, and that I can't really hold its feet to the fire like too much because of that. You know, like Some of my issues yeah. were like, oh, it's like cheesy and kind of corny, and some things were just like, uh, whatever, like boring to watch for me. So... Like when I take myself out of it and say, oh, this is for kids, I'm sure that kids love it, you know. So it's fine. Like, I, you know, I don't want to give away how many stars I gave it now, but. Yeah, no. Like, it wasn't a bad rating. It was, you know, it's fine. 
I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, Chris, I guess you're the outlier right now. I don't know exactly where you feel. So this is your first time watching it, correct? It was. Yeah. No, I think it's a really fun movie. Yeah. I think that's the thing for me is like, and that's why we have this argument like, oh, I think Twilight is a five star movie. You know, it's the same (laughs) kind of thing where like, if a movie uh, thoroughly entertains me, then it's a good movie, even Mm -hmm. if like I know the movie's bad. Yeah. So like the whole time I was watching Sonic, I knew that I was a borderline child for enjoying myself as much as I was. <laughs> yeah. But I was having so much fun. Like Yeah. There's some really fun stuff in this. I just think I don't know, like not to delve too much into specific scenes or anything, but like the one that completely was just like, why is this even in here is Jim Carrey dancing for like five minutes straight. Yeah, see, I liked like, that one. That's fucking that... awful. I don't know. I did not care for that. It wasn't bad in the sense like, oh, it was shot bad or it was weird. He wasn't good or whatever. But it just was like, okay, we're already more than halfway through this movie and it's starting to drag a little bit. And then I have to watch this dude dance for five minutes. See, to me, it was kind of like almost like making fun of like the Joker a little bit where like you start to see when he starts to go crazy and sure. he does the whole dancing scene while he's setting up his drones and doing all the research on Sonic. And and- yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a funny scene. And to me, it wasn't crazy because that was when he's doing all the research into Sonic's hair. So yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I get it. You know? Yeah. See, I took it exactly as you did, Chris. That's the thing. Like both times I've watched the movie, to me, it's immediately obvious that the goal here is showing a very weird form and it kind of matches with the eccentricism of the character. So you're seeing through that eccentricism, his descent into further madness as he obsesses over this creature. And I like that because it's a fun way about kind of going to do that one. That's not as expected. I'm not saying that I can't see where it might be kind of a little long winded for certain people, but to me, I felt like for certain people, just say my name, (sighs) dude. No, I mean, like, <laughs> see, the thing is, is like, depending on where you land on it, it feels longer than it really was. Because realistically, that scene is only a minute and a half or two sure. minutes. But if you don't like it, then it feels like five. Whereas to me, I felt like it drew the line between doing something. And the song choice, I think, is very specific, right? He's talking about evil grows. And it's yeah. interesting because it's kind of like a happier, like the song sounds kind of happy, but the lyrical content is clearly interesting. So when you do that, I think the movie pushes right up to the line of where it could risk getting annoying for mo- for pretty much everybody. And that's when it decides to stop with that little comedic in- you know, interference of uh, um, whatever Stone, Agent Stone coming up and offering him his latte. Yeah. Just, that was uh, funny. I like the end. That was funny. Yeah. yeah see, I think that's a big thing for me here is I think that like, immediately I have this thing of like both times watching the movie, I'm I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. Yeah. Always have been. And I think part of what makes this movie better is that it's just so obvious that he's having so yeah. much fun in this role that it's almost infectious. So like when you watch it and you're seeing him have that fun, you're just it kind of takes you over. It's kind of like how I feel about his take on the Grinch. There's something about his take on the Grinch that when you're watching it, you're just like, he's having a fucking blast. And something about his enjoyment of it makes you enjoy it even more. Yeah, no, I I think the best part is watching him have just just chewing scenery. And I think the thing that I found interesting is none of the scripted lines for Robotnik are in the movie, according to Jim Carrey. (laughs) I would be surprised. The thing is, like, that's an insane amount of talent too to like be able to improvise like like that for the movie. Yeah, and also keep it kid friendly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that that's a real interesting thing too because clearly he understands what the movie's about. So all he has to know is the basic things that are going to happen. And within that, you can have a lot of fun improvising and making a far more interesting and eccentric villain, which I think Eggman has always yeah. been once they started giving him a personality. Yeah. Which that's an interesting thing about this movie too. That, like, how many Sonic games have you? I don't think I've ever finished a Sonic game, but I think I've played bits and pieces of all of them except the werewolf one. Okay, Sonic Unleashed. That's gotcha. the one. Yeah. Uh, so the big thing that's interesting to me about this movie is that a lot of the times you see this idea of like taking liberties with a movie character or video game characters rather whenever you're putting them into a movie. And I think a lot of the time that doesn't work. But the interesting thing about Sonic as a character and then Eggman as well is that for a long time, Sonic and Eggman were characters that existed but had very little motivation. It was just kind of get to point A to point B. He's your obstacle. So none of them really got personalities or character traits that define them until the 3D game started, which is Mm -hmm. Sonic Adventure, realistically. So that was when that started coming in. Sonic becomes this kind of, I don't want to say flat character, but in the 3D games, when they first started getting him personality, he's kind of the, he's a character that doesn't have an arc in the same way. He's kind of meant to be static while other characters change around him. And his thing is that he essentially will, he never gives up. Like, you know, that's his thing. He never gives up and he's always going to do what it takes to do the right thing. It's kind of like the Spider-Man <laughs> idea. And so it's, it allows other characters to be interesting around him. And he's just kind of a constant. And I feel like this movie changing the angle up because they had the, I think they had the lateral laterality to do that. They had the movement necessary because he's not a super well-defined character that you have a lot of room to do something that doesn't feel out of character. And then by the end of the movie, they establish him as the character that you eventually find in the games, which is the never gives up and loves his friends thing. It's like, you kind of see that. And I liked that this movie acting as an origin story does that. And we Mm -hmm. also see the same thing from Eggman. We see Eggman kind of start as more of a modest character and then slowly devolve into the villain that we eventually know in the games. And I like that aspect. Like, you know, this is Mm -hmm. a really good setup for seeing all that. No, I agree with that. I really liked speaking of him becoming Sonic. I just really liked the scene of his shoes, like him getting the red shoes from uh, the little girl, which, uh, I really am really mad that Donut Lord and Pretzel Lady didn't yell at her sister for being such a bitch like halfway through that movie. <laughs> like I was sitting there, I'm like, eventually you're going to say something, right? Eventually. And they both ignore it, which I guess is funny in its own way. But I'm like, you guys got to just be like, shut up. <laughs> See, I thought that I, I remember the first time I watched the movie, I thought the same thing. But then when it came time to where he's like, uh, by the way, I don't have a car. And she's like, do you think we'll mind if we borrow hers? And she's clearly bitching. And then the sister's <laughs> like, nah, she won't mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The tied up sister is probably the, my favorite part of the movie. That was very funny. I love the, this is my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the I gotta pee. That was also really good. So yeah, she yells um, at her daughter and then slowly turns and like, "Come help, please!" Hey, yeah. <laughs> I, they forget her and the daughter just doesn't <laughs> let her out. <laughs> and I love that the daughter's running around like, "Gotta go fast, gotta go fast." <laughs> <laughs> See, I think it's like the movie is constantly doing something that either keeps to me, and I think that that's yeah. like where me, where Blake I think starts to 
fall off a little on that. I thought that the movie constantly was doing something to either be visually engaging, character engaging, or just funny. It's like it always tried to have something going that would make you be in the moment, even if it's a laugh for a second to carry you over until that next character interaction moment. And that character interaction moment carries you over until the next action moment. It's, you know, I feel like it, it played well off of that. And I thought for the most part, the pacing was well. I, I actually didn't think that the movie ever started to drag personally. No, I really didn't. I didn't think it felt very, it, it was one of those movies you watch where it's like, oh, it's, oh, it's ending, mm-hmm. you know? There were some scenes like I think the uh, bar fight went a little long, but even then it was all funny. Like Sonic just going oh, around and that. moving everything around. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Well, and but, it's a character how great growth. The CGI moment. is. It does. Yeah, yeah. The CGI was really good. There were only because, like a couple times you could tell. I mean, anything in that scene would have been CGI except for like the people, like any yeah, kind no, of water sure. up in the air and all that shit, and mm-hmm. how he interacted with it. Which I know he was CGI too, so it's like a little bit less impressive than like a human interacting with something that's still like that. That's CGI, but either way, like it looked really good, and I don't know. There was no time that I was like, "Man, this CGI is rough." No, like I'm sure there were points or moments, but not that I could see offhand, just casually watching. I guess since we we talked about the CGI, we should talk about how they had to change the design, and there's a part of me that thinks this is a much much more fascinating movie with the original design oh yeah. wow yeah if you i i remember when i saw it in theaters and the the design change was still rather fresh from mm. the first trailer i kept thinking of all the scenes that the trailer showed with the original design and i kept thinking how did anyone see this in this context and was like yeah this is the right move to make and then I when know. i looked at it i was like it almost I know it sounds bad, but the way that it was initially, it almost seemed like it was like if all you did was just change some of the music in the trailer that you're watching a horror movie's trailer. Like, yeah. Because it's, it's so unsettling looking. It's supposed to be a kid-friendly movie, yeah. and you're seeing a character that does not look kid-friendly at all. Well, it seems... It was, uh, sorry, go ahead. It, it makes me wonder if that stuff at the beginning of the movie with Longclaw was originally in the movie. Because it almost seems like they wanted to make Sonic like a like a genetically modified real hedgehog. So they were trying to make him look like a real thing, you know? So to me, it's almost like maybe they did this scene at the beginning with Longclaw to kind of be like, okay, he's from a different planet. Because if that original design is from a different planet, then they're just stupid, you know? Well, that <laughs> no, would have changed the whole movie, though, because the whole movie was about the rings that take you to a different planet. Yeah, but planet. You, you're right, and I was thinking of that as I was saying it. But at yeah. a certain point, you could just say, Sonic has rings because it's Sonic, you know? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So you're probably right, and I was probably saying something really dumb. But like, no, you know, I don't think it was really dumb. Like I, I was agreeing at first. I was like, "Well, that was yeah. the whole movie." Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I sure. kind of agree. I don't think it's that crazy to have a redesign and kind of go, "Hey, listen, it's really important in this redesign that we tap back into what makes Sonic Sonic." Because that was everyone's complaint, right? It's yeah. like it doesn't feel like Sonic. It doesn't right. have any of the Sonic iconography that you'd expect. It's like even though Sonic's been around for a long time, he's a lot like Mario his design gets altered just a little bit with each game and so while he's been short and then when he transitioned to 3d much like mario he got longer but he always has a look and he's never not had that look to do it the way they did it when they came back in i think it was one of the people from sonic mania that redid the design if i'm not mistaken so 
I wouldn't be surprised if the idea for adding that scene, I, I would imagine that originally the rings were still in there as a traversal standpoint, but I am not quite sure with all the stuff they had to redo. I don't know. It's weird. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the original scene with Longclaw was not in there, but the exposition throughout the rest of the movie was enough to tell you like, hey, here's rings. But I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of exposition spill for this. I don't know if it was a full-on rewrite. Do you notice that at the very start of the movie, I, I think you would notice more, but I don't know how much you really pay attention to the Sonic games to know. But uh, Sonic Adventure introduced the Echidna Clan, which is supposed to yeah. be where Knuckles is from. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you notice, the people who were running after Sonic were the Echidna Yeah, we're Echidnas. So I feel like that was very much something that they went back and added to show instead of letting it be exposition because starting the movie that way immediately assuages those fears that the movie lost what it needed to. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. people were worried that in this redesign that it was still just going to be a redesign that maybe looked more like Sonic, but the rest of the movie was still going to miss what makes Sonic Sonic. And that scene was really important to help that. Even though the interesting thing about that is that that doesn't play into any kind of Sonic lore at all, but it feels more gamey and it feels more like, I I wouldn't be surprised if they focus tested it and had people actually be like, Hey, it feels like he's a genetically modified hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) even if he wasn't so it's like well we need to add a scene in to really hammer home that he's from another dimension a radioactive sneaker bit a hedgehog and it became sonic (laughs) oh god (laughs) yeah the cgi change was something that was hard to shake while you're watching it because like fuck man and then they closed down not long after the movie came out yeah it's just that's supposed to be all the way around isn't that relatively normal though for those kind of houses where they don't honestly know Cause I had read a lot of stuff where like some people were saying that was shitty and other people who were in the industry were like, no, that's kind of normal where you just open up a place to do one thing and then you shut it down. If that's the case, then sure. Like, like, yeah, it it sounded like the thing I read, I don't know any about this. So like, don't come after me if I'm wrong, but it's one of those things where it's (laughs) like, it kind of feels like almost a spirit Halloween. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Sure. Where it's like, Oh, during Halloween, we're going to have this and then we're going to be gone. And then one day when you miss us, we'll be back, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that could be true. Like for sure. And like, like I said, I never, I don't know much about the industry either, but yeah. that's what I kept seeing and hearing. And I didn't look too much into it because honestly, like yeah. it sucks, yeah. but it's not something that I'm like super invested in. Yeah. Right. So it's not something that I researched. So, well, I think some of it depends on what the work is too, right? If they were always from the get go, like I don't remember all the details, but let's just say, that the situation is that they had to contract more animators to be able to turn around the anime uh, the CGI quicker so that they could still release the movie in a relatively decent timeline. Then yeah. it doesn't, it's not surprising for people who are brought on that are told, Hey, this is a contract. When this is done, your contract is done with us. And then those right. people go out to find either their next permanent job or contract job. And that's one of those interesting things is people don't think about in both video games and movies. There's quite a bit of contract work. Yeah. So it's people who they're they're never intended to be a full-time job. It just kind of ends up happening that way. And that's cool. And I'm glad that those things exist. And a lot of people kind of like that idea, but you know. Yeah. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. saying that's like why I don't like the movie, like which I said, I do like it, but it's just something that I couldn't help but think about quite a few times. Yeah, for sure. Because every time I was like, damn, the CGI is so good. I was like, damn, they all got got fired not long after this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. Do you what do you think this movie works with the old design at all? Because if it's the same movie with the old design, I think it'd be fine. I don't. I think it would be fine too. Yeah. I don't think I'd, it was near as big of a deal as like loud ass people on Twitter make you think it would be. I don't think I, that the movie wouldn't work, but I think that it wouldn't click the same way because yeah. there's something about the more cute and endearing sonic design that we've always known that even people who don't know what he looks like find something yeah. to do immediately like and i think it works more for the story right the story mm-hmm. almost has this feeling of like he's looking for a family but it's it's almost like he's looking for a family as like an orphan it's a very yeah. childlike sense to it and a lot of what he's doing is going through this like hey i want to have the childhood i've never gotten to have since i've been having to constantly be on the run so his want in this movie is to finally get a connection with someone like he had with Longclaw, and then be able to build that up and you see that in a lot of his actions like you know he's just a a innocent kid and i think that the design that we have in the current movie not only has the benefit of working better for longtime fans of the series, but it also has the benefit of letting people connect with that childlike emotion easier than the design that they had. I don't think the design they had works. It looks almost like a weird alien teenager. I agree because they do a good job of making this terrifying monster feel like a person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my kids watched the first half with me and they were really enjoying it, but then they ended up having friends come over and. Yeah. My daughter watched the whole thing, thing with but... me, and she loved it. <laughs> Good. Because that was where I was going to go next. How did you watch it with your kids? So please continue. Yeah. yeah, I watched, you know, like I said, about 40 minutes, and then their friends came over. But they really enjoyed it and were laughing along with the first half, for sure. My daughter, well, Sonic Mania came out when she was still pretty young, but she was born. So I, I got the collector's edition for Sonic Mania that has the big Sonic on it. She would see that, and she would be like, oh, who is that? And she'd see me playing Crash Bandicoot, too. And she knew both that was Crash Bandicoot and that was Sonic. So whenever I pulled my Dreamcast out the other day, she's known what Sonic is for quite a while. We were. She randomly was just like, I was pulling it out for myself, but then she came back here and was like, oh my God, you're playing Sonic. So she's already kind of hyped up on Sonic. <laughs> so the idea of her watching this movie yeah. was just like, she was into it because she's been watching me play the game and she's been wanting to play and she's getting into gaming a little more. She's been trying to play Crash 4 and doing surprisingly well on some pretty difficult levels. So I, I felt like there was a real palpable excitement from her and she was really glued to the TV the whole time. And I like that. I mean, I, to me, I think it goes to show that I am part of the target audience because I'm just a longtime Sonic fan who's had that like Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 impacted my childhood a lot. And I think that that's clearly why I have an affinity for the character. Mm -hmm. So I am part of that target audience, but it's about bringing new people in so that they grow up with that same love. And I feel like this movie, if you've never heard of Sonic, sells you on that. I mean, it gives you everything you want. You've got a customer for life. Yeah, I mean, it really is true. If you can rope someone in and give them something that sticks with them as a kid and acts as a point of nostalgia... Even when you mess up occasionally, you can always bring them back because the, the crazy thing about the Sonic games is that they mess up often. Clearly, a lot of people view the Sonic games to be hit or miss, but when they do get something right, they really get a lot of praise for it. And I was really surprised that they got a lot of praise for this movie. And it kind of doubled down on the fact that whenever I watched it, 
in theaters and I left. I was like, you know, they took a lot of liberties, but this is a good character to take a couple of liberties for. And they didn't go as extreme as like the, the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if either of you have ever seen it, but it's yeah. a terrible movie. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing for me. Whenever I watched it in theaters, I immediately was like, as a longtime Sonic fan, this worked for me. This clicked for me. I had a blast watching it. It was really fun just as a movie, but it was also a lot of detail in there for longtime Sonic fans to love. Like, here's a good example. And this kind of pulls into those, what I was talking about with fan service, right? Is that in this movie, there is fan service and there's plenty of it, but a lot of it's subtle. And it's more for people who happen to know. And that's good. It's not constantly trying to beat you over the head with it. So like one of the things that they bring in is during the trans, what is it? The trans America building or whatever, whenever he is running down the building and going after donut Lord and the way that the camera pans and looks, it's super reminiscent. And I, I would be amazed if it wasn't on purpose to the part in city escape, when you bounce off the Springs and then run down the building to hit the Springs. Yeah. I mean, it looks just like that. And that's awesome. That's what you want. It's, it's got a lot of little moments that are tie-ins to other games and other things that you've seen that are awesome. And, the reason I think that I appreciate that it has so much restraint is that while the ending does tease a new character with the tails coming in finally, I like that it's a tease because what they could have easily done in an attempt to try and get people to love this movie was be damned if it's a good movie. We can just cram as much Sonic stuff in here to make people see it and go, oh, that's cool. I love that. I, I love that character in Sonic. I want to watch this movie. They didn't yeah. do that. They could have easily crammed Super Sonic into like this, DC which is a staple of the do. games. Yeah, you could cram Knuckles in this and find a way to make him work in it. You can cram Amy into this and find a way to make, make her work. But instead, the only two characters that you really, really meet and have any kind of worry about in this movie is our protagonist, Sonic, and our antagonist, Dr. Eggman, or Robotnik, which is also very parallel to the games. Because That's what's confusing to me. Sorry to interrupt, the, but what the fuck is Eggman and Robotnik? Is it the same person, or is it, it, same it the same name for the movie? It is. No, uh, so originally... He was originally Robotnik. In Japan, he was originally Eggman. Ah. And in America, they thought that people wouldn't like the name Eggman. They'd find it cheesy, so the <laughs> Sonic team for uh, over here, the yeah. translation team, changed it to Dr. Robotnik. And throughout the Sega Genesis games, it was always Eggman. But then in Sonic Adventure, I think is the first one that actually did it, um, the Japanese version also finally started calling him Dr. Robotnik with Eggman being a nickname. Okay, that makes sense. I was Mm. just confused because I felt like people kept calling him Eggman online. Yeah. But then the movie called him Robotnik. And I was like, wait, I thought, oh, he's changing when he had the hair. I was like, now he's going to turn into Eggman. But then he literally just had a red jacket on. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Who's Eggman? <laughs> yeah. Now, Eggman yeah. is just, uh, because his original design was so fat and round, it was just one of those fun things. And now yeah, it becomes yeah. a quip. Like in Sonic Adventure, even though his name is Dr. Ivan Robotnik, Sonic and Tails still call him Eggman because uh, it's just, I mean, I get it. It's just little quips, you know. Have been realizing in recent days just how similar Sonic as a character is to the idea of, of Spider-Man. Even to, down to the fact that he, like, he's super quippy he always has something he has to say which i thought was interesting how they started the movie uh with great power comes great great and powerful enemies or whatever uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean don't get me wrong as much as there's a part of me that would like would have loved to see them do the cgi as well like you know the cgi is great in this movie i would have loved to see supersonic i'm glad they didn't because what they've smartly done like super saiyan 
it, yeah, it really it is. You use the Chaos Emeralds, and when you get them all together, it can make him go into super mode. It's it's huh. actually really cool, and I like the Sonic game stories. Um, so while they could have done that, I like that this is really contri- controlled. Uh, the scene when he saves the turtle and then goes running with it. Oh, my gosh. The turtle shaking. Oh, my <laughs> God. It was so funny. I, and when he when he slips the turtle out of his hand and then runs yeah, back, runs and gets back it. to get it. Huh. Uh, that's a tie-in to the first Sonic game. There wasn't really any goal besides when you killed Eggman, little animals would pop out. Then later in the Sonic <clears> Adventure <throat> games, it became part of the story that you were rescuing animals. So that was a cool thing. Like It ties into the whole idea of Sonic rescuing the other animals. Oh, I wanted to talk about how uh, completely inconsistent Sonic speed is in this movie. Okay, because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he throughout 296 at one point and 300 another point. Yeah, but then at <laughs> some points he's so fast time that stops. time stops. <laughs> yeah, but at other yeah. points he's not fast at all. You know, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I get what you're doing, but it almost makes that baseball scene kind of ridiculous because it's like you cannot be doing all this stuff. You're not this fast. <laughs> it's a cute scene. Power is pretty fucking fast. Well, look, if anything yeah, but, else, if I'm being dead honest, if anything else. I actually think the baseball scene is a little more reasonable than like, okay, the bar fight scene I love, but everything is dead still. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought that was interesting. It's and dead same with still. the top of the skyscraper. Those are the only two scenes where he like literally stops. Time. See, the top of the skyscraper is actually not because you see Robotnik's finger. Yep. And I appreciated that because the problem with the bar fight is it's it's literally time standing. Yeah, no still. one moving. No yeah, one I, moves. Okay, anyway. yeah, that's true. I forgot about the finger. But that's, yeah. And that's the thing is you bring up that he went 300 miles an hour, but I was reading a thing on IMDb and they were talking about how that scene when he goes into the Pacific Ocean, to, if he went a straight shot from where they were, he, he did it in five seconds. So he would have been going 25,000 kilometers an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know that scene reminded me of family guy when brian runs really fast but he's like um ask me how the queen of england's doing she's fine and he comes back he's like wearing a suit of armor or some shit <laughs> yeah one of the other things about his speed that really bothered me and actually i, I shouldn't even say speed it's kind of his powers but that clearly yeah. ties into speed i was talking about the uh transamerica building and yeah. to me, it feels so silly that the movie decided to limit him from being able to run up to yep. the top of the Trans-America I thought the same building. thing. Because I get it. Like, I get that the whole plan is for him to get the rings, right? But mm-hmm. in all instances, he should just be able to run up to that little ledge at the top of the roof and get the rings. But yeah, it's game? like Can the you movie. Run up walls and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. I, and. Well, like even think about it, even within the movie, he's running up walls. You see him doing it. I mean, and and speed and traction and all those things. Like, there's no reason he wouldn't be able to run up a building. If he can run twenty five thousand kilometers an hour, (laughs) he can run up the side of the fucking building. I thought that was really dumb too. Yeah. Yeah, and see, to me, this was one of the only points where I really thought that the movie showed. A moment of just really lazy writing because essentially it did lead to one of the best scenes. Oh, it did. Movie, but that's the problem. The bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't he's not my kid. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> like someone else did well. Yeah. The people just walked away. They didn't they didn't report him, but they walked away. Yeah, they used it well for sure. But I think yeah. it's one of those things where essentially what happens is I think that they wrote themselves into wanting to do that scene on the top because someone was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had an action scene on top of this big ass building? And then we had rockets going and he kicked the rockets. They're like, okay, well, how do we get him up there? Well, he can run beside the building and get a rings. Oh yeah. Well, we also need Tom and his wife up there. Oh yeah. Good point. 
oh, how do we get Tom and his wife up there if he's running up there? There's no way. Uh, we'll have it to where he can't run up there, so they've got to take the elevator. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where suddenly you break the rules of your own world just to make a scene happen. And that's where typically people have, it's like it screams lazy writing. Now, thankfully, I didn't think the movie had too many of those moments, and that's a good thing. No, they definitely didn't. But his his speed is super inconsistent, and that bothers me. Um, yeah, just that it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you're not really trying to set this up, but at the same time, you are. They're not really putting these threads throughout the movie because it's a kids' movie. But at the same time, like I just uh, when I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, I need this to be not even consistent, but like a little bit reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Some of it's kid stuff, right? But some of it's also just general trying to get people to come in. Like, I doubt that this is going to be the case, right? But do you wonder if there's any part of them that was looking to make a movie that just had general references to? Because this, this movie is also chock full of just a bunch of pop culture references. Um, is. And when you think about that, like, I wonder if there was any goal on the producer's part to think about trying to bring in new adult Sonic fans. Because... Oh, no. There's some scenes in there that I think are cool and I think they work towards like the funny kid nature of it, but also are just cool details considering who Sonic is in this movie. Like I love that in his cave, it's small details, right? It's like in his cave, he had the flash comic books, which I Mm -hmm. think is cool. And in the normal Sonic games, clearly that can't exist because comic books don't really exist in the Sonic world. You know, animals don't read. Yeah. So it's one of those (laughs) interesting things where, when you're looking at that, I like that they went through those little details and even things that are like the Fast and the Furious reference whenever he gets to start driving. He's like, I feel like Vin Diesel. It's, you know, it's uh, keeping it in the family or whatever he says. Uh, but I like that because like not only is that a pop culture reference, but it references like one of the big striking scenes of the movie, which is this idea of like an oddball thrown together family that you chose yeah so that i I thought that was cool oh yeah when you're talking about like more adult stuff i thought it was funny the probing line where he's like i don't want to get probed and sonic goes you you think you're scared i don't have pants yeah (laughs) yeah this movie's the king of having moments that brush up against specifically adult humor yeah yeah which i really liked i thought it was fun yeah no that's definitely Um, even stuff like the where he goes to call him a motherfucker and then he gets yeah (laughs) he gets elbowed in the face so he can't finish it yeah I yeah. will say I gotta give a shout out because I'm a big puns guy. I really liked the uh, Mushroom Planet pun where <laughs> Donut Lord is like, well, at least if you go there, you won't be the only fun guy. <laughs> and I, I heard Sonic that. was not putting up with it either. Yeah, he's like, like, no! no. <laughs> what else do we want to say about this movie? Because it's Sonic, and I want to take, I want to go one more place, but it doesn't really have as much to do with the movie. So if we want to talk a little bit more about the movie what do we what do we have to say the only thing i really liked was the be the not the, the only, only thing, thing i really, I really liked. liked you know what i <laughs> <laughs> the only thing left to say that i haven't said already that i really liked was the small town and sonic describing it and all the people and mm-hmm. donut yeah. lord is like my favorite description of a cop and the first time he said it i was like holy shit and I, I really liked laughing. that scene where he, they, he's like why do you call me donut lord he's like well you talk to donuts and you eat them <laughs> when they get out of the line and he goes yeah that's fair <laughs> <laughs> i love crazy carl yeah he's crazy. like a very stereotypical like yeah unfortunately homeless like crazy person and uh, they're like maybe he was right the whole time <laughs> i like the uh was crazy carl homeless he looked homeless. He had that, like, 
I don't think he was because he was able to procure, procure a chainsaw, but I feel like <laughs> he, they, they definitely gave him that look of like unhinged, crazy person living off in yeah. the woods sees Bigfoot. He yeah. reminded but, me of the like Roswell people or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, people yeah. around there that I saw the UFO, I saw it or whatever. I mean, UFOs did land at Roswell. I'm but, not saying they did it. I no, you're making fun of not, the people who no, do. Not all the people that believe it. You know Not what? all Roswell <laughs> citizens. <laughs> yeah, Crazy Carl was fun though. Uh, I really liked that he was girl. holding up a picture of Sanic. Yeah, see, I love that, that. that thing. I love how they use that as an opportunity to break the fourth wall and bring in some of the memes. Yeah, yeah, that that is a great thing. And actually, I don't want to spoil too much, but if you keep playing Crash Four, I'm assuming you remember the whoa crash meme yeah <laughs> they found a way to pull that whoa. in that game as well it's really good That's awesome uh, That's but game. i love little things like that um another thing that i didn't realize the first time around and i don't even know if this is like anything canonical or if it's just a weird thing that they decided to do the the fact that they went into the fact that he's left-handed yeah i didn't notice i didn't notice that but yeah, and he's animated like not only does he say the like, your favorite southpaw and i was like wait what he's left-handed and then i <laughs> looked at everything he was doing i was like that motherfucker is left-handed <laughs> <laughs> like they were they took the time to make sure they animated it to where he was accurately he was doing lefty. things yeah and i thought that was cool do you uh, think um animals in the wilderness are left or right-handed you know, yeah absolutely do they have dominant paws? I think there's yeah. dominant paw. Yeah, I think that that's a thing. I don't think any of them right, if that's what the actual question you were asking. <laughs> <laughs> Dear but diary. I do think that people have different, do- or animals have different dominant paws and arms Fair. and shit. Yeah, I think I would assume. I mean, I don't I, actually know, so don't quote me. I think it's a natural thing for us, too, because like even without riding, like if you take riding out of the equation, we naturally are... Yeah. You know, we have more more dexterity with a single hand, or we even have a dominant foot. So, I mean, it would make Mm. sense that animals that are on all fours have probably a dominant front and a dominant rear leg. Do you think it would be really bad of a parent to just try and see, do an experiment on their child and see if they can raise them lefty? Or would you, is that just nature versus nurture? Like, if I, if, if I, but if I hand my kid a lefty baseball glove and they put it on their left hand and they grow up with that lefty baseball glove, wouldn't they they eventually become a lefty? Yeah, the reason I I mean, the reason that you know that for a fact is that there is a lot of people who are not as good as they otherwise would be at certain things, including writing, or sometimes they're just as good because they got lucky and they were able to kind of have the capacity to pull that off or just the physical ability like ambidextrous people. But, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people were left handed and it, it was viewed as like a witchcraft thing. So for a long time, it was just a thing where majority of people are right-handed it's, it, so when you go into that not only do you have like weird stuff where people are like well that's something of the devil and <coughs> right your left hands of the devil or witchcraft but you also have people who are right-handed who when they see their pit, kid pick up with the left hand it's not that they're consciously trying to be like oh don't like i don't want you to be left-handed but they're like oh no wrong hand like here put it in this one and there's a lot of parents that inadvertently teach their children to write with with non-dominant hand yeah and the other reason i know is i, I am left-handed and because my mom would not shell out to buy me a left-handed guitar whenever i was first getting into doing music she bought me a right-handed and i was like well i don't feel like flipping this thing and having these knobs hitting my arm whenever i'm playing because it's not built to be left-handed so i just learned how to play guitar right-handed mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where it, you're, it, it is uh, more or less it's it's nurture it's what you're given and what you choose to work with is going to determine what you do 
Um, one other thing that was fascinating to me is that in a movie like this, you kind of expect to see some kind of product placement, but I think a lot of it was, it was aggressive. A lot of it was mild to me, except for Olive Garden. See, I thought the Zillow one was a little worse than Olive Garden because Olive Garden, if I, I didn't even notice the Zillow one goes to show you that it wasn't aggressive to me. <laughs> that's fair. I guess the thing for me is like the Olive Garden one. They, it was so, it was blatant what they were doing, but they did it well, you know, because yeah. I thought it was funny. I was like, okay, so yeah, <laughs> the government is giving you a $50 gift card to Olive Garden. Like, that's funny <laughs> to me. It, it, yeah, and it's not even that. I mean, it, I like that from the beginning of the movie when she brings it in and she's like, my, my sister says I should check your phone for dating apps. And he goes, the only apps on my phone are the ones that were, came pre-installed on it and Olive Garden. She goes, oh, yeah, because when you're there, he goes, your family. Yeah. And to me, I like it because it is product placement, clearly. But it's also product play- placement that's smartly used because it actually fits into the thematic overtones of the movie. Yeah, and, and that's I a, think that's brilliant. And that's a joke that I the would writers tell. weren't completely incompetent. You know, like you mentioned, they fucked up like a lot of the ending and stuff. Like they obviously know how to write, or that yeah. the product placement would be garbage. You would be able to yeah. notice. I mean, well, that's why I had it, a problem I mean. with the Zillow one because it was like it was like we're going to go look for apartments in San Francisco. Oh, look at these apartments I found on Zillow.com. <laughs> and then they had the link to Zillow.com. Use hey. Zillow.com to find an apartment. And I was like, all right. I had to pay for double the work for the CGI <laughs> team. So let's excuse a little bit of it. <laughs> I, don't, I have a problem with it. That, you know, the, Some of the ones in Avengers are even worse, where it's like a, their cap's running away and it's a five-second shot of an Acura. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, the the interesting thing is that clearly Toyota yeah. got in here with his toco- with his Tacoma, but I never felt like it was in my face, interestingly no. enough. Because that's the thing with good product placement. It's subtle. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example where this is going to sound like blasphemy, but the UFC, you remember the UFC controversy this year about how they had put advertisements in the game? It's that one to me, the stuff I saw where it was like the boys ad on the, the UFC mat or whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not a practice I like, but that's at least a good use of product placement because yeah, no, to I me that, that fits in the world. You know, if, if I'm playing MLB the show and there's like the boys ads and Pepsi ads, to me, that's like, okay, that's product placement. But it immerses me because when I go to Fenway or I watch something yeah. you see that, on this and I see that. Yep. You're right. Yeah. So that doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing about certain products, right? Is that like certain things and uh, and certain movies, I think, even can get away with it a little bit more depending on what they are. But yeah, I think sports games and even sports movies are in an interesting spot to where all of their product placement makes sense because yeah. it sells the realism of it because when you're actually going and doing those things that's what you expect to see right um, it's things right where you know if, if i'm writing you know i'm writing my book and if i write a scene where someone takes folgers coffee out of a cupboard is that product placement or is that realism you know what technically, i mean technically same technically it is product placement, is product but placement. you're kind of getting into the thing i had where i almost wonder right which who knows I've actually made the joke about Olive Garden, like that, yeah. almost that exact joke about like, you know, I was talking to my wife about it for some time. And I was like, I was like, I want Olive Garden. She's like, why? I was like, I just miss being with the family. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and, uh, it's one of those things like if you made uh, if you if you had State Farm and you were like, you get in a car accident, and you tell the other guy, I'm going to call Jake. They would understand what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And I think that that's the interesting thing, right, is. 
I almost wonder, and I could see a world where they didn't even approach. I would be interested <laughs> to find out if this was not Olive Garden being like, hey, can you give us a spot in your movie? And if this was more than being like, hey, we we're wanna. talking about family. And uh, you want to, and they just wrote a joke. Like they were just sitting there talking about, like, what can we talk about? And they kind of sets this up for like a family thing so that whenever the family aspect comes in between Sonic and him, we can have a joke that kind of references it. Bam, Olive Garden joke. All so, right, gotta reach out to Olive Garden. Find out if they're willing. To- I wish every movie did like the Truman Show, where she pulls out the hot cocoa. She's like, "Try this hot cocoa from out Nicaragua. There's no yeah. artificial sweeteners." And he's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> I would have shit myself if I was watching Last House on the Left and as they're drinking wine, he goes, "And this wonderful Cabernet is available at your local uh, <laughs> liquor store." And then they turn back and they start just killing people. <laughs> See, what I like about the Truman Show is like it's it not only is it clearly product placement, but it kind of exists in this thing where like she's doing it with just enough of a normal thing to where it's almost like a weird conversation between some yeah. people. Well, it's like, fake product, but it's not a real product, anyways. I well, mean yeah, true. But-, but what I'm saying is like the way that let's say that in that world is a real product, because that's what they were trying to say. Yeah. She's not looking at the camera and saying like go buy it here it's more like she's giving you information in her exposition that is like this is what it is so it's like he's it's a really weird conversation to have right but it's kind of like in this ultimately that's what makes like product placement really interesting in anything is that you can play on product placement and actually think about youtube even right when you think about certain content creators that you like there's those who get uh sponsorships and it annoys you because it's just them reading the sponsorship. Then you get people who get sponsorships and they are clearly having fun with it. Kind of like right. I talked about with Jim Carrey in this movie to where they take the sponsorship, but they tell them like, hey, I'm going to do the read, but I'm going to do my own version of it. And I want to add stuff in as I see fit. And there's something about even when you know it's product placement, but there's more character behind it. You don't really care. Yeah. Well, because so. a, a good ad is just fun, you know, yeah. like there's a lot of just good commercials the caveman commercials for Geico, good. You know? Yeah. You know what's yeah. weird? Just make an they effort. They're supposed to make a sitcom. They did. It failed because that's not a good idea. Oh, they did make one? Yeah. I think they made like three episodes it. or something. Yeah. Oh, but, gotcha. I thought it was just wh- an idea. No, it went to pilot, and I, I think I don't even know if it ever got past pilot, but there's definitely an episode out there. I think you can find huh. it online. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, prediction quick for Sonic 2. If Sonic 2 doesn't open with them eating at Olive Garden, I will be <laughs> blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, 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 if tails doesn't fucking fly through the bay window of an olive garden, I will be shocked. <laughs> Sonic just has one strand of pasta, like half for the entire scene. Cause I get it. Cause it's never ending. <laughs> I want to see Sonic and tails do the lady in the tramp with her spaghetti. <laughs> And it shouldn't really matter, but I kind of liked it in this movie. The fact that the product placement is things that you know about mm-hmm. kind of almost makes it feel more like you're watching a movie that's taking place in your world. Yeah, it, it grounds it. Yeah, and, and it's weird because most people would think like, well, product placement is kind of gross. And I'm not going to say it isn't. It is kind of gross. The basic idea is a little gross. But at the same time, there's something about watching even like an animated movie, right? Like when you watch Into the Spider-Verse, seeing Miles Morales wearing Nikes is kind of dope. It's like... yeah. Those are real shoes. Oh, I could be <laughs> Spider-Man if I got some Spider-Jordans. Exactly. The There's like too, a feeling that attaches. Is that when in our normal conversations, we mention products all the time. So it yeah, makes I mean, sense. Like if you're, yeah. especially a TV show, if it lasts a long time, if they never once mention a single like real restaurant, it feels weird. Mm-hmm. It does. Like, oh, it every time like- they talk about food, like, oh, I'm going to go get uh, 
generic pasta. You want to go with me? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's my big problem with like, and this is a whole other conversation, I guess, but my big problem with censorship in movies, uh, because it doesn't make any sense to me that throughout the entire Avengers 2012, when there are literal giant space worms coming out of the sky, not a single person went, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Like, see, and that's why I like that this movie skirted against that kind yeah. of words. Like, he's gonna cuss, but they find a way to stop it so that it still fits within the realm of what they want to rate it as, right? But they're able to pull this thing off where it feels like it's more real because it's like, oh, someone's about to cuss, mm-hmm. and right at that last moment, you're able to kind of pull them from it. Yeah, I wish they would have been satisfied with a PG 13 rating and just no cuss words except like three quarters of the way through. He's like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can play him off Bro. really well, you know, like, I think. Uh, Breaking Bad did it, or, or is it Walking Dead, where they had one fuck per season? You I know, both of them. Oh yeah, I don't remember the Breaking Bad ones, but I know Walking Dead made a big deal out what? of it. Dude, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Did. I don't know. Breaking Bad has so many cuts. Like, dude, there's no way. But that was also yeah, rated but, mature. But fuck, <laughs> that's the thing, and that's what's weird about America. So fuck yeah. is the is the one you can't say. Fucking cunt. You also, know, you why I really appreciate the boys. Cunt? You know, yes. <laughs> the boys just constantly has Carl Urban calling everybody a cunt. I cunt, fucking love it. Cunt is one of the best. Like I understand that it's offensive, but it is also one of the best feeling words that you can it's possibly so fun. say. It's so fucking fun. It's it makes no so sense. sharp. It's what's always funny too about shows like Sons of Anarchy is one of my favorites, but they cuss a lot. But it still feels almost toned back to how I would assume people like that cuss. Well, yeah. Like Probably, it just yeah. feels weird. It's like, what the crap is going on? Here? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> We're like, again, it's the same example I gave. But nobody in Avengers is like, is this guy fucking serious? You know, <laughs> like I understand that these are mature superheroes, but these are also adults, and you, it doesn't make any sense that not one of them dropped a fuck when the world is collapsing. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, <laughs> right. But we'll segue out of this weird non sequitur about language because I want to have one more conversation before we end this show. And I'm going to spring it on you guys so this isn't fair. I can go first. But I want you to give me your perfect video game movie. See, that's hard. And the reason is that I think that the biggest way you get away with that, and I, I don't know. I think that, you know, it's about whether it's personal or not. I mean, like, I think for me, we've kind of almost gotten there. And it's funny because it's like Hollywood keeps fighting this being the way they go about it for some fucking reason. I yeah. just don't understand it. Um, I was showing one of my buddies at work today uh, during break. I was showing him the Uncharted uh, you, you know, shortage. Oh, yeah. The with, with Philly. had yeah. Nathan Philly on. Yeah. And I good. was... Awesome. I I was showing it to him and he was like, oh man. And we were talking about, he said, you know, they're making an Uncharted movie and that's what brought it up. And he was like with uh, Tom Holland, old Spider-Man as Nathan Drake. And then I was like, yeah, and Mark Wahlberg as Sully. And he's like, oh, what? I think that tone is really important. And I have a feeling that the Sony made Uncharted movie is going to completely miss the tone of what people want. And the entire time that I was showing him this little, what, 14 minute short. Yeah. He was like every bit of it. He goes, that it looks exactly like Nathan Drake. Yeah. 
his Nathan Fillion's voice is almost exactly like the way that Nolan North portrays him. Yeah, he's naturally known for being a quippy character who just says smart ass stuff, and that's exactly who Drake is. So n- not only is the actor choice right, but the writing is accurate. So every time something happens, there's some smart ass remark that feels accurate to who Nathan Drake is as a character. So when you go through all this and you see the way they pulled it off, not only just the gun, ac- the action sections, like the gunfights, the fist mm-hmm. fighting was awesome. The exploring, like exploring the area and going through the house and finding these little parts every bit of it felt accurate to what i expect from the game and it felt not like someone looking at something and being like oh how can i adapt this it just felt like someone understanding every bit of what that character is and just going with it right and to me if you just take that and if i'm being honest i don't even make it a fucking movie Make it a long form TV series like we were talking about like, with American Gangster. Like, you know, fuck it. Just, I think for that specifically, you know, I think Sonic does a good job within its runtime of not being too long, but also not feeling like it's as long as it actually is mm. in a good way. So that's a benefit for that. But yeah, my perfect video game movie, I think, is taking the very grounded nature of something like Uncharted. And just going off and being like, hey, let's take the Indiana Jones approach to this, but also keep it more into line Indiana of what Uncharted Jones. does. I heard that too, and <laughs> that would be a great fucking movie if <laughs> one of Obama's drones became sentient and became a treasure hunter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So give me, uh, what would your ideal casting have been for Uncharted? Because that seems to be your movie. I'm curious. Oh. No, Mark absolutely Wahlberg Nathan Fillion. I have thought Nathan Fillion for <laughs> quite some time. Yes, that is the popular choice. And I hope, I don't think they're going to do this, but I hope that that movie has flash forwards with him. You know? Oh, yeah. That would be really cool. Uh, yeah, see, I don't think they'll do it either. I don't either. And that's kind of a problem. It's interesting when you start thinking about the uh, the situation with the way that they did that short. Is I think Nathan Fillion's casting was perfect, but then you start to look at Sully, and I think the actor they pulled in, and I'm not sure of his name, but I think the actor they pulled in for that really worked surprisingly. Um, I'm look it up, and I yeah, I don't know his name, but um, when I think back about it, and I think of what people actually were, it, it's a little weird. If you if it has to be a big actor, which I think starts to be the problem, like why do they pull in Mark Wahlberg? Because he's a big actor. Mm -hmm. So if you want to bring in someone who's big, maybe somebody like Jeff Bridges, that'd be kind of cool. That would have been the thing is Stephen Lang played Sully in the short, and Stephen Lang would have been my casting for Sully. So they got it literally perfect. Stephen Lang works. Like I don't necessarily know that he's perfect to me, but he's definitely a good pick. Like he's much better to me, even when I think about a young Sully. The real best they're essentially doing. The real best pick for me is Josh Brolin. That would have been the best pick. I think Josh Brolin could work. I also think, weirdly enough, Hugo Weaving would. I could see it, but you know what? Honestly. I'm about to say something that's probably going to blow your mind. I think I might say something, too, because I think mine will get people mad at me. Like, the very alt-right, like, fuck black people people are going to get really mad at me for trying to gender or race swap a character they love. (laughs) Fuck those people. Oh, that's interesting. So who are we going for? Let me pitch this to you. Denzel? No. Yes, but no. (laughs) No, wait. Yes. Okay. Change my mind. Yes. (laughs) Giancarlo Esposito as Sully. Oh, okay. All right. I can see that. That would be no, sick. I would want honest. The only thing about Giancarlo Esposito is he's so good as a villain that I'd almost rather just see him. The which I that's as the bad guy of that movie. I don't want to typecast him. So if he wants to be Sully, fucking go do it. But also, he's a great villain, and he's yeah. also in season two of the boys. <laughs> the 
y'all want to know my crazy choice that I actually think could work surprisingly well, mm-hmm. even though he's such a crazy actor? Yeah. I feel like Nicolas Cage might make an all right Sully. 10 out of 10. That's the pick. Nicolas Cage with John Travolta <laughs> as Nathan Drake. Holy <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to go to Blake in a second, but I want to talk about one more thing. Actual, it, it fits with the Naughty Dog that we're talking about. The Last of Us show. Who's your casting? Because I think I have the most ridiculous casting, but I think it's actually the best thing. So, I think I may have already said it in here, but if you want to know my casting for Joel, I've known from the moment that I first watched Prisoners that I want it to be Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Because I feel like every bit of who he is in Prisoners is every bit of what you see. He's a brutal man who's doing whatever it takes because of his daughter. Now, it's a very it's a slightly different setup on it, but it shows you everything you need to see. Yeah. And he's a pretty similar character. So I think Joel, uh, Hugh Jackman as Joel would be fucking killer. Okay. I've struggled over who I think would be a right Ellie mm-hmm. and whether or not age should be too much of a determining factor. But I feel like her age is important. Yeah, well, they're doing, they're doing the original Last of Us. So she's what, like 15? I don't even think she's that. I think she's like 13 or 14 isn't she? yeah she might be younger than because i think she's i think she's 14 because i'm pretty sure that in the last of us 2 she's like 18 or yeah. 19 and i'm pretty sure that it's four years later so she's 14 yeah, or right. so okay here's my casting that i would want for that movie that show and nobody has ever agreed with me and i think i'm right you take that show you tell bill Hader you have six months to bulk up and grow a beard <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I think he would be legitimately good because if you watch Barry, I was about to bring he up Barry. Has that, he good. has the humor that Joel has, but then he also has the like ruthless guy. He plays it well. Give I him six Barry, months. but is he gruff enough? But that's what I'm saying. Give him six months to bulk up and grow a beard, and I think he pulls it off. I genuinely voice wise though, but yeah, I think. Well, I mean, just put on a voice. Yeah, off. Yeah, and then I've always said Anya Taylor Joy would or anna anna Anya. whatever i would that's who i would want to play Ellie. i could watch her and literally she could be anything yeah she's I'd great that doesn't immediately come to mind who is that the witch i've been telling you to watch her for four years you should have watched it by now <laughs> no. bitch. she's the girl <laughs> from uh split yeah she's playing furiosa young furiosa but yeah i think her and and i i you cannot convince me bill Hader would not be would not be good in that I think I, wonder what Barry, I think I know he's a pretty versatile actor. I could see it potentially working. I don't know. That to me feels like one of those like if Jim Carrey's number twenty three was good, you know, like give him a dark turn, like punch drunk love for Adam Sandler. You know, you give him that like you have this oh, big you that number twenty three is not at least an okay film to you. I haven't seen it in a long time, so number no. twenty three that Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like. I'm that. sure. Um, so um, Blake, we'll finally get to you. You give me your, your video game movie because I'm very curious. Okay. I've got one that's a movie and one okay. that's a TV show. So I've got I got two examples do. and I don't know casting uh-huh. because the, okay, first Skyrim as a movie, you're just walking from white run to solitude. That's the movie. Okay. First person, that's second, actually the TV show. Terrible. Do what? That doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> I guess it depends on what's in your travels. It was a joke well, answer, but, but it could be work. I guess it could be they could have it just you have to get to white run and the whole movie is you dealing with the shit in the wilderness like you go That's into a cave yeah. and then you do this okay i do want a sure. real answer but yeah. i like that one when until you I said really it was- answer, red dead 2 is a tv show 
And the voice actors are so fucking incredible that I don't know that I could even pick like a real actor to replace them. Yeah, that would be hard. Because they also were like ingrained in my memory because it's the same actors from the first game. And that's who I think of when I think of them and their voice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you read a book and you imagine somebody and then the movie comes out and you're like, this is, no, this is way wrong. Yeah. This is not what I imagined for 13 hours of reading. (laughs) Casting is weird for me with that one. Like, if they could get the voice actors to like, act and i think some of them are like and i don't mean this as derogatory towards voice that voice actors but i think some of them are like quote unquote real actors so yeah that's it <laughs> not surprised I, I mean and i don't completely disagree with you i, I think if anything red dead story red dead 2 story is clearly good but i there's clearly a lot of people like chris who don't want to suffer through the gameplay in order to do that so a show would be a way to get that story out and i i mean it depends on where you land on the gameplay but yeah i think the story itself is fantastic like i don't mind the gameplay i like the gameplay i enjoy rockstar's games but the story is the best part i i'm not being facetious because i do like the i would if rockstar sold that game as a 60 dollar movie I would be a thousand times more interested. Yeah. It's one of the only games, if not the only game, where I've damn near cried while playing. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's fucking fantastic. But it also has to do with spending so much time with those characters, you know? That's why I think it would have to be a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I think most things, you know, I'm I'm framing it as movie for the context of Sonic, but I think sure. most things would work. You know, like, I think you could honestly make a TV show out of literally any game and it would be fine. I think yeah. it's better because definitely with time, like you know, if I if if I want to give Sonic like any re- like real real credit, is that given the amount of time we have, which is roughly an hour and a half, mm. I'm surprised that they, that they succeeded, and a lot of it is because they didn't try and bloat the cast too much. Yeah. They succeeded in that hour and a half in getting a fairly believable relationship between Tom and Sonic. Mm-hmm. If this was a TV show, I would have fallen off after the first episode. I enjoy it as a movie. I don't think this would... I think this is one of the few examples of a video game being better as a movie. Yeah. Well, that's why I kind of feel like in a lot of ways... You know, TV is written differently. This is written to be a movie. I I mean, if you viewed this as the first episode of something, that would be weird. But yeah, I got you. But at the same time, I feel like something like a platformer that Sonic is works better as a movie because, you know, the big problem with Uncharted is like I've seen Shambhala and I've seen you know that kind of stuff in the game so how are you going to top that where got to go fast is pretty easy to do in a movie you know even something like rayman you could do a rayman movie or a crash bandicoot movie and you could put them in any situation and it would work but if you took final fantasy 7 and you made this movie you're gonna you're gonna get murdered in your sleep by a bunch of weebs (laughs) so (laughs) anime avi is coming for your throat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're kill the director of this movie anyway stan akurakura from hgh3 the pot of the anime <laughs> got a bunch of fan cams of fake people so oh my god i saw a fan cam about- yesterday hold on i'm sorry brett real quick yeah. i saw a fan cam on twitter for a children's show <laughs> it was like paw patrol it wasn't paw patrol i've seen enough paw patrol to know the difference because of my kids yeah. i don't know what show it was it was some kid's show it was a character from a kid's show and it was a fucking fan cam with the glittery shit all over yeah. it i saw one for jamie lee curtis and that was one that was super weird to me I'm like i like jamie lee curtis fine but she's your pick for a fan cam <laughs> <laughs> not even not a fan cam is it's like those like 
they'll take a bunch of images of celebrities and then they'll put editing and glitter on them. And it's just like, Oh, this is when my celebrity friend looked really cool. Yeah, okay. Weird. It's weird. Yeah, it's terrible. It started with like K-pop. Yeah. That makes sense from a, like a sheer aesthetic standpoint, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of branched out from that. But the first time I ever saw one was K-pop and I saw only K-pop for like months. And now I'm starting to see other things, including fucking children's show. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the movie or the video game thing i think one of the things that bums me out and clearly i think blake falls into one of those people is that animation is not viewed as a as the end goal for this like for some reason it's always that people want movies to get live action versions and i think that that's such a disservice to certain characters because i do feel like you could make a great sonic movie that's fully animated yeah yeah and i think you could do that with so many other franchises and i think that actually if anything you'd probably have an easier time bringing the majority of games to the screen in an animated form Mm -hmm. but for some reason that's not what people want and people don't view that as the same status level and part of the reason you know that a barrier for some people if this was animated i would have been way less likely to watch it like exactly. I still only watched it for the podcast, but I'd have been way not, more like, oh, God, I have to watch fucking Sonic now. Yeah, and I, I don't understand why that is. And I'm, we've talked about that a few times throughout this show, but I don't know what it is about animation, even though animation was actually originally started as an adult thing. Like it was adult jokes and adult humor. And then it kind of moved on and some reason became synonymous with kids and then it became the same where that's that's not the only reason but for some people that's the primary reason is that they just view it as a kidly thing so they go oh well you know live action is where it's like adult oriented and the animations where it's kid oriented and I i'm guess. not uh, sometimes true but other people just you know have things like where you said that the animation style for spider-man Enter the spider-verse was weird for you yeah and i think it has to do with like realist realism you know like, and I don't understand that. I guess that's what it comes down to me. That's what we talked about before, too, is like King of the Hills. Like, I could watch that any fucking day. Like, I love that show. I could rewatch the same episodes over and over. But with unrealistic stuff, I'm just not a real big fan of. I don't know. And it is weird. Like I, like I said, you know, when we talked about um, fucking Spirited Away, I don't get it. Like, I, don't, I can't explain it. I can't put it into, like, words. I just don't like vibe with it very well, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I guess that personally is down to a level of what you view. I I guess I should say like, if spirited away were a game, do you think you'd be able to click with it more, even if it looked the exact same way, but you were in control of everything? Probably not, honestly, because there's a lot of like anime games and like Japanese style games that I don't like. Like most of them, you know, I tend to like enjoy Western games more often than not. Well, okay. Let's just say it was by a Western developer. I guess I'm not trying to say like it's uh, like it's a JRPG, but let's just say that the, the story is still told the same way, but it's it plays like a game series that's made. By so what? Okay, I think I have an example. Not to cut you off, Brett, but okay. if if the Insomniac Spider Spider Man game was into the Spider Verse, would you still like it? Probably. I mean, I enjoyed Spider Man game. I think I don't. I don't think it was near as good as people pretend that it is or like to th- think that it is, but yeah, I don't agree with it's you. It's a good but game. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, I guess I think unless I misheard it, Bray, he's more just saying like if you could have played that story, would the story work more for you, you know? I mean, maybe yeah. so. Like, I don't think the story was bad. I, I enjoyed the story. I just, the movie itself didn't keep my attention very well. I didn't, you know. Yeah, and I guess I'm just saying like when you move it from that into a different format like where it's more interactive yeah. and the story is told differently like you know even if it, it's just 
does the story work? Because even if you didn't think the story is bad, it's clearly the other aspects of it being animated or something that didn't make it click with you. But does that suddenly move away when you come to something that's you're in control of? Because I think some people have an easier time removing that barrier when they feel like something looks animated, but it's with the caveat that you get to actually play it and physically work through it yeah i mean most of my favorite games and games that i replay a lot are more grounded realistic games quote unquote i mean like grand theft auto is not really realistic but you know what i mean like sure it's more grounded at least yeah it's it would be like a heist movie if it was a movie so yeah i don't know like i I mean most of my favorite games like that tend to be something semi-based in realism so maybe it is just something that's crazy you know that i can't vibe with but again yeah. The last time we talked about it, you know, horror is fucking crazy and out there, but I love it. So I don't know. Yeah, but also 99% of horror is live action. So there's yeah. something about the seeing something that's at least supposed to represent reality right. that I think somehow pulls you in. And I don't know what that comes from. If that comes from like just sheer preference or because of the way that they've done marketing or what, but I think it's very telling that I would not even argue. I would just straight up say that Enter the Spider-Verse is the best spider-man movie hands down and yet yeah it's not even close telling one it can't down. be a true statement when spider-man 2 exists so oh, <laughs> it can be a true statement even with <laughs> promise you. two to one <laughs> oh, okay fair all right spider-verse is better there you go <laughs> but yeah it's 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 very telling that spider-verse sold and don't get me wrong it did well thankfully but when you compare it to any other spider-man movie that's ever released it did worse than any of those i think sure. it may have outperformed in the long run in the amazing spider-man 2 mm-hmm. um i'm not sure on that but yeah the numbers were quite modest in comparison when spider-man far from home or whatever came out right around the same time and was 1.2 billion. Yeah. And if I'm being completely honest with anybody, far from home is a perfectly all right movie. I have some problems with it. It's a little too obsessed with like Iron Man and the, it's too obsessed with being about everything except for Spider-Man. Well, that's my mm-hmm. issue with the new Spider-Man's is that everything is about Iron Man. And I fucking, okay. I do not. I like Robert Downey Jr. And a lot of stuff. I don't like him as Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, my point there is that, yeah, it's like, even though you have a movie that's so intimately about Spider Man and even a new fresh take on him being Miles yeah. Morales, and there's so many stylistic flares, visual flares, audio flares they're doing to differentiate it, and somehow it doesn't do nearly as well. I just, I, and there's something about that that's like, <clears throat> and I like that this movie, I, if anything, I liked one thing about the CGI in this movie is that the original was like trying to look realistic. And even though the CGI that we ended up with in this movie led to a more cartoonish looking Sonic, I feel like it worked better. Even though you're seeing something that's clearly cartoony looking juxtaposed against something that's clearly grounded and real. And yet somehow there was no real visual disconnect in my mind. I really love yeah. that aspect. Whereas good CGI. the ultra realistic idea take on Sonic where he had like hyper rendered fur and all this stuff and crazy realistic looking eyes and teeth, even though we didn't have that in the new one, I think it looks a lot better. For some reason, making him look more realistic actually ruins the experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> or at least dampens it, I should say. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a downside, but... <sighs> 
it is what it is. I really like a lot of things about this movie. Yeah. I mean, even just small stuff like the smart choice of calling the thing Green Hills, and then that's clearly a reference to Green Hill Zone. Yeah. Having the Green Hill Zone theme play while they're fixing the house at the end. And of course, if you don't know Sonic, you don't know that. But that do 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 do. It's just nice. I love little things like that. And as a Sonic fan, it was cool to see this movie. And I just hope it brought in more Sonic fans, yeah. even if it's kids. Because there's something, I think that there is an importance, as much as it bothers me that Nintendo leans so much on Mario sometimes. There is an importance of just having characters that are kind of a constant. It's like the the great divide, the great divide between people kind of melts away when you have this constant character that like three or four different generations of people love. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just an identifier. Um, so I'm gonna give my movie, and, and but and then uh, we can probably get out of here. So I have a show and a movie because Blake did it. I'm gonna take the opportunity to do it too. So <laughs> my movie. No, I wanted to be the only one. <laughs> my movie would be Journey, and it would be uh-huh. a completely silent movie. Just the story. I'd be I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. I don't want to. I want you to cast an actor, and I want you to Mandalorian him. I don't want to see his face. I just want a visual spectacle that lasts an hour and a half. Music, and just though, tons right? of great music. Yeah, yeah, just tons of okay. great music. Yeah. Um, but then my uh, my TV show would be a daily daytime soap opera for Yakuza Zero through Six. Oh, oh okay. I still need to play those games. Those games are fucking incredible, and not enough of you Americans have played that game. <laughs> you Americans. Unlike me, American. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know, I told you I, I really liked Yakuza Kiwami, and I have a feeling I would like Kiwami too. But Do I need to Yakuza's, play Zero or Kiwami first? I'll, everyone says you need to play Zero first, and everyone that I know. But I'll tell you right now, if you go into – I have a strong feeling definitely for you, Blake. If you go into Zero first, I have a, ch- I have a high chance that you'll leave and never play any of the other series. If someone asks you, how do you watch Star Wars, what's your, what's your right order? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, then you should play Zero first. <laughs> you should, yeah, if that's, if that's the way you like to be with it, yeah. Because Zero is uh, a prequel that you should play after all of them. But if you want to do it first, then do it first. Yeah. All right, maybe I think I'll download Zero then. Kiwami was great and really held my attention. And yeah. I, like from the moment that I started it and the moment I started Zero, I played for about two hours, two and a half hours, and it just never clicked with me. And yeah, Zero like, feels old. Can't do it. It does. It Maybe I'll play Kwame then. Y'all are fucking confusing the hell out of me. I'm gonna play if the you one want that the, downloaded. Whichever if you one want the story, if you want the story, and you watch Star Wars one, two, three, four instead of the right way, which is not watching any of them. Well, one, two, and then three. you <laughs> should shut the fuck up. Like, what did you rate this movie? <laughs> I gave it two point five out of five because I really liked it. I did like it. <laughs> okay, sure. Brett, how about you? You know, I, I've been trying to think of what I feel like I internally gave it when I watched it in theaters and what I gave it now, which also shout out real quick. I have streamed a couple of 4K UHD HDR movies and none of them have looked as good as this streamed. I, I don't know why. Right, yeah. It looks really good. Uh, either way, going to my rating. Yes, you're right. Um, that was just a shout out because I, the whole movie, I kept looking for streaming artifacts because I was just blown away by how good it looked. Yeah, it uh, looked awesome. I'm the worst about it too, especially with horror. Because Prime has a good horror selection, but terrible mm-hmm. streaming quality. So yeah. I always like don't go there for horror, even though they have good movies. 
Mm. Yeah, I don't know if this was just encrypted in a way that makes it stream better or if because there's less blacks. Like horrors has a lot of blacks. That's typically where you're mm, yeah. seeing like crushed blacks from streaming artifacts. I feel like mine stays the same. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I feel like the entire time, both times, and then the second watch through is important. Yeah. I feel just as good leaving it this time as I did the first time. So I want to give it a 4.5. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I, I gave it a 4. I actually think I would have given this a 4 if I wouldn't have rewatched it. I think something yeah. about rewatching it and still loving it made me want to bump it up a little bit more because it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, not only was it great the first time, like it totally holds up when you rewatch it. Yeah. So with me, I, I give it 2.5 mainly. I didn't really give much of an explanation. The first half is like very good and I laughed out loud numerous times and it was very enjoyable. And I felt like the second half was not bad. It just kind of dragged and I was like, okay, I'm ready for the finale. Yeah. And that's why I can see I'm that. like, I don't know. The the first half is great. The second half is bad with some good moments. Like it wasn't bad. I enjoyed the movie. I probably won't watch I mean, it again. You liked fifty percent of the movie and you gave it a fifty percent, so I can't yeah. really fault you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still think of two point five is good. I mean I don't, but I like there are I understand 2. Your 5 point. movies that I've rewatched numerous times. So I think I don't that, know. you know, I view two point five as mediocre. And yeah. that doesn't mean that you would never watch it again. I mean, I get that. Or whatever it be. It doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. But I guess it just means that it didn't stand out to you in any given way. Right. That's fine. I mean, that's a perfectly yeah. fair I thing. I would watch the first half of this movie again. My thing is, like, if I looked at someone's letterbox and I saw them give a movie a three, I would be like, oh, they didn't like it very much. So, <laughs> Well, that's something that we have in, oh. in gaming and movies as well, where for some reason, if you're not in that top score, like, you know, in games, if it's not a 7.5 or higher, your game sucks, basically, to everyone else. And that, well, that's the sad thing is, if I would never pay full price for a 7.5, you know? See, but I would, because you know how many games have been given a 7.5 or lower that I paid full price for, and I'm like, fuck that, this game is a you know a nine out of ten to me i know it's the weird thing of it's why i don't try to swear too much by reviews like if there's one thing i can say about you watching the show like we give our ratings but i hope that you're not making the decision as to whether you watch it or not off of our ratings no i don't either but like when i saw your 2.5 i was like fuck blake hated the fucking movie no you know? <laughs> no i mean that's just how i've always seen like it. one and a half and lower Fair like enough. even a two is like, oh, that wasn't like terrible. Like I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. a bad movie. You know what I mean? It just Definitely. wasn't for me, probably. All right, Blake. Well, it is your week to pick a movie. It's so Brett. is it Brett? It is Brett. Brett, it is your week to pick a movie. <laughs> All right. Well, I have an interesting one. Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> Eventually, I'm okay with that, but I'm going to give it a little bit of time. I don't want you to feel like you're watching a movie you just watched, even though... I'm genuinely dying to watch that movie again. I've been trying <laughs> oh, to get... I, I texted my brother, and I was like, are you off? He was like, yeah. I'm like, we're watching Interstellar when I get out of work today. It's going to be one in the morning, but you have no work tomorrow. <laughs> and he wouldn't do it. I was really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine is something that, thankfully, I'll be able to handle for you guys to watch it. Uh, um, I have been wanting to revisit, and one of the things we talked about since we started the show is like, how do we start to try and pull in like the Marvel movies? Was a big Son thing for a you, bitch. And the thing about the Marvel <laughs> movies is like, clearly, you run into the problem of like, if you try and cover one, there's so many, uh, there's so much information that could be potentially spread across the other ones that it gets hard to not feel like you need to do it in some kind of sequential order. So I'm going to pull it back. Iron Man 3. (laughs) I'm going to pull it back, and I've been wanting to revisit, hence why I bought them in Uh, 4K as well. I'm going to do um, Amazing Spider-Man 1 because I actually think, and you know, in my memory, that's the interesting thing about these 
in my memory, I I love Amazing Spider-Man One. I think it's a really good movie that fails just a little bit, and that's okay. But in my memory, Amazing Spider-Man Two looks amazing, and it's just a bad movie. <laughs> I, so I can't wait yeah. to have this conversation because that movie makes me want to kill myself. I do not the first one or the, the second conversation one? at all. The first one, but the second one is, I think, is way worse. Uh, the, interesting. I'm just kidding. The first one's not that bad, but it's definitely no. Not I remember great. liking the first one. Okay. I like yeah. Andrew Garfield though. Hacks already. But we'll save we'll incredible. save the conversation for next week. So, <laughs> so Brett, do you want to lead us out or should I do I it? Do I would do this. Out. You should All throw right. that code on my lead voodoo though. <laughs> What'd you say? Throw that code on my voodoo, baby. Oh, I absolutely will. Don't worry about that. And I'll mail one of you the Blu-ray. <laughs> I'll take that. Thank you. But all right, guys. Thank, uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, if you want to find more out about us, head over to our Twitter, which is matinee underscore midweek, and follow us there. You can find us on Facebook at Midweek Matinee and on Instagram at the same. If you want to hear the thoughts of these other gentlemen outside of this, you can head over to Twitter and find them at figs21k uh, and at popes underscore Blake underscore 92. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> anyway, if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we were always ever so grateful for you can head over to patreon and get episodes of the show early we typically put them up the friday before they go live so you get a full five days ahead of everyone else just as a thank you for your extra support Uh, and we always give a shout out to our supporters at the end of content so without further ado we'd like to shout out our patrons kyle grimm josh jarrell matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean santarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popst kevin bacon bits joshua lago Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B., and Richard Schaefer. Head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm. <laughs>